Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, August 11th, 2022. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. It is that time of year, the beginning of college season. What does this mean? This means that students across the country are going back and moving back into their college dormitories. Freshmen are going to orientation and joining their schools. Um, And Ethan and I both have siblings who are going to be freshmen in college. So in honor of them, we were doing college episodes. We wish you, Julia and Dylan, a successful time in college. The talk of, topic of today's episode is why, why is college getting so expensive? You know, you hear about the, the terrible student debt people come out of college with, and that is a product of the, the high tuition costs American universities have today. Um, you know, and, and people can't pay that, so they take out loans, and that, you know, the, their college experience then extends many years after, after college, and they're still paying back for that experience, uh, which, which affects a lot of people. So why do people have to take out loans? And why is college so expensive? So let's start with how bad it really is. And Josh, it's pretty bad. In 1980, 40 years ago, the average cost of a four-year private college was just $10,500. And now that same degree costs $32,000 on average in America. So that's almost triple the amount of money that it cost just 40 years ago. And and that's also adjusted for inflation. So we're seeing huge, so we're seeing huge increases in the amount of money that colleges are requiring their students to pay. And then again, just from like 2008 to 2018, and those 10 years, we saw another 36% increase. So we're continuously getting more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. And the colleges and the students are the ones who have to pay for it. They're having huge debts and with student loans, as Josh mentioned earlier, and they're taking that on later on and for a long time into their lives. We're seeing people still paying them off in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s. So let's break it down a little bit. Why college costs so much and and what it takes to run a college and and how the budgeting works. So actually, two-thirds of college tuition goes to two things. One is salary for, for employees of the college. And two is for buildings and, ma- and building maintenance and, and making sure buildings are upkept and, and where classes can be held. So salaries, you're not only paying the salaries of professors, but you're paying the salaries of the gardeners who are, you know, who are, who are mowing the lawns. You're paying the salaries of the, of the security guards, of the, the campus police force. You're paying the, the salaries um, of the administrators, of the president of the university, of, of the dining hall employees, of, of those who work in the, in the dormitories. So you're, you're, you know, you're paying salaries for a lot of different people. That's why it takes a large chunk. Um, and particularly with professors, professors' salaries can get pretty high for one reason. Major popul- The popularity of different majors goes in and out. So one major will become popular over for a couple of years, then it'll fizzle out, and the next major will become popular. But top universities want to have the best professors. 
And so they, they end up paying a lot more money so they could have the best professors for when that major becomes popular, they have the top professors and, and people are attracted to that university. So, so, so prices can be put up, you know, prices can increase because of that. On the other side of things, you have buildings. College buildings, the classrooms, the lecture halls are used 23% of the year. That's they only use 23% of the year. And if you know anything about how airlines make money, they make money because they're flying their aircraft as much as possible because they're using it and making money from their aircraft as much as possible. While colleges are, are not using their, 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 their buildings, their lecture halls and classrooms um, efficiently. So they're going to be high cost to, to maintain those buildings that are not being, being run efficiently that can increase the price of college as well. Right. I mean, they can only be used during the daylight hours. You know, there are only classes during a certain period of time. And there's also summer when they're off. So and they always aren't they are not always having classes. So the buildings aren't used that much. Another important part of why colleges cost so much money is their ancillary services. Now, this is just a big grouping of anything that is considered extra or not necessary for a college. These are things like student centers or sports complexes or making dorms super cool with all these different features. All these things that attract students are also what cost a lot of money. Taxpayers, when they pay for public universities, they're paying about $3,370 a year for, per student for all of these ancillary services. And because of this, we're also seeing these costs come into effect in the tuition for colleges. One of the key differentiating factors between college now and college 20, 30, even 40 years ago is where students are going to college. So in the past, students had gone to college a lot closer to home. Um, so people had stayed within their cities. They'd stayed within their states. And because of that, they got in-state tuition. But now students are looking farther outside of the states. And, um, and what that means is, is they're paying higher tuition if they go out of state. Um, and these out-of-state tuitions have actually become huge cash cows for the universities because the universities realize they can gain a lot of money from students out of state. They can, you can, they can charge double or three times the price of an in-state student if they're getting somebody who doesn't live in, in, in the state, if it's a public state university. And that's why they want to attract as many cash cows or out-of-state students as possible to gain, you know, to get the most revenue and, and to make the most money. To do that and to attract all these students, they've also increased the ancillary services like Ethan was talking about. They've built more beautiful buildings. They've built beautiful sports facilities and beautiful gyms. And, you know, in the gyms have yoga studios and they offer classes all day long, you know, free the students. They offer amazing dining halls and, and, and they offer these beautiful dorms and they offer this amazing Greek life. All of this costs money. And a lot of this, especially at public universities and even at private universities, is to attract students with a lot of money that they can charge and uh, that can increase the, the revenues in the university. An example of this is Purdue University. In the last 10 years, Purdue has actually reduced the amount of students they take from in-state by 4,300 students and added an extra 5,300 out-of-state students or foreign students because they pay triple the amount of money for their tuition. So obviously, this isn't something that's happening in theory. It's actually happening in practice. They're actively having less students from in-state and pursuing more students out of state because they pay more because they receive more money from these students. So we talked about students paying tuition as uh, one of the ways colleges are funded, but another way college 
colleges have historically been funded is by state funding. So the states used to, you know, fund public universities and even, you know, private universities sometimes get some money from the federal and state governments, but mostly for public universities. And so for, and state funding has considerably gone down, especially as percentage of the total cost of operating a college. For example, Ohio State University, which is Ohio's you know may, top public university, their flagship public university, in 1990, 25% of their operating budget was paid for by by state funds, by state grants, and you know the state paid for 25% of their operating budget. Today, the state pays for only 7% of their operating budget. So the difference, well, the difference has to be covered or is covered by higher tuition. Um, so theoretically, if the, the federal government and states increased the amount of money they were giving to universities, especially public universities, they could bring down tuition a little bit um, and, and decrease that difference. So another reason colleges are getting a lot more expensive is because there are way more administrators now in U.S. colleges than there were in the past. So for for example... Uh, in the California college system, the public state university system in California, in 1975, there were 11,600 faculty members. And in 2008, there were 12,000 faculty members. So like in, in, in what's that, a 25, 30-year period, there grew a faculty members. There were about 400 more in, you know, after 30 years. While from 1975 to 2008, there were moved from 3,800 administrators in the California state system to 12,000 administrators. So there were 400 new faculty members over the 33-year period, and there were like, what, 9,000, 8,500 new administrators. 400 faculty members and 8,000 administrators? That, you know, that doesn't make sense. So a lot of these increases in cost are because of, of these high numbers of administrators. What are they doing? Well, these are all the people like diversity and inclusion officers. These are, you know, there are, there are more academic advisors for students. At many universities, students are all appointed academic advisors. Um, there, there, you know, there's more bureaucracy at universities where you have more people dealing with paperwork, all these things as, as, as student populations have risen. But these administrators often uh, require large salaries because they're, you know, well-educated people. And a lot of, 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 the, of the tuition increases have been because administrator hiring. So now that we've covered a little bit of why, why colleges are so expensive in the U.S., we want to compare it to the rest of the world. And yes, the U.S. ranks very poorly on, the U.S. ranks extremely high, if not the highest in the world for its expenses in college. The students in the U.S. are paying the most for their colleges. And the reason why is that college in the U.S. is just very different than the rest of the world. In the U.S., students are going out of state. They're living in dorms. They're living at the college versus somewhere like Europe. A lot of time, they're going to the college locally. They're going to a college that's nearby. They can maybe just stay in their own home, or if they're not staying in the home that they already lived in, they're staying in a different place. They're not actually living at the college. And if they are, then that's a much smaller percentage. That's a much smaller percentage of students than it is in the U.S. In the U.S., most of the students who go to college are living at the college. They're not living in their homes. And so because of this, this has a huge difference. They also have things like dining halls that they don't have. And so there are a lot less things that the colleges have to build and pay for, like dining halls and dorms and et cetera, that are that make the colleges much more expensive compared to colleges in the US compared to colleges in Europe and the rest of the world. I actually found a good way to explain this um, on the Atlantic. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote them here. So in 
in the U.S., college is intended as a more comprehensive life experience, as opposed to in Europe, where it's just an academic experience. This experience in the U.S. does carry with it inherent costs of widespread on-campus residency. So what the Atlantic is saying is that in the U.S., college is comprehensive. You go to college and you're living in, in the colleges away from your families. Um, you know, you're, it's, it's like a whole world. It's a city, basically. And the college is to provide all these services to, you know, for the city to run. While in Europe, it's, it's an academic experience. It's like going to a high school where it, it's le- the college is providing less services that may cost less money. Yeah, it's a completely different experience. Going to college in the U.S. is like nothing other. That's why you have a lot of foreign students who want to come to the U.S. for that experience. But if you're not looking for that experience, if you just want solely academic experience, then colleges like in Europe or other parts of the world are more fitting for your needs. And that's why you see massive differences in pricing, because when you're getting a holistic experience at a college in the U.S., that means that you're going to have to pay a lot more money. And so this brings up the question, is college still worth it today? And while that question should be answered on a case-by-case basis, and I think you should answer that question for yourself, the numbers do point to the fact that on a purely financial basis, it is worth it. Americans who graduate with a degree in college make up to 75% more than their counterparts who only graduated high school. And in terms of actual cash value, they usually make up to five, they usually make about five hundred thousand dollars more on average than people who just graduated high school. So uh, one of the you know stat- statistics that I like to look at that shows the importance of college as as the as time goes on is is you know how what percentage of jobs in the U.S. need college um, require a college education. So in 1970, two thirds of jobs in the U.S. required a high school diploma or less. So 66 percent didn't even require college. Um, now, in 2026, it is estimated that 70% of jobs are going to require at least a bachelor's degree. So people, you know, they talk a lot about the, the, the college craze and you shouldn't be taking out all, all, out all this debt. And people, you know, you hear a lot on the internet that college is, is, is useless, um, especially if you're going you're gonna to incur, incur a lot of debt. And that may tr- be true for some people. You know, tradesmen don't need to go to college. For what, if you're going to be using if you're going to be in a field in that 30% that doesn't require a college education to spend four years and acquire a lot of debt, that's going to hurt you financially in the long term. As the workforce shifts to be more automated, those people who, who lose their jobs, you know, who you are once truck drivers who are replaced by, by you know, uh, self-driving trucks, who were once factory workers who got replaced by robots on the Amazon factory floor, um, those people are going to shift to, to more highly skilled labor or or, or you know, high, more or to more jobs that require a college education, um, and that is why college is still going to be important for the future. This is going to bring a close to this week's episode of the Young Perspective. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We want to remind you to check out our website, theyoungperspective.net, or check out our or check out our Instagram, the the or check out our Instagram, the underscore young underscore perspective. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember to check back next week, and remember this. this- was the young perspective.